This is the second week of our Save a Baby campaign, and um, I'm so thankful to have with us this morning uh, a lady by the name of Missy Branch. Missy, come on up if you will. Let's give Missy a hand as she comes up. Yeah, Missy, come on. Yeah, very good. I'm going to let you have this ready to go. You don't have to do anything with it. Um, so just get it right up in there so you can hear. Everybody can hear you good. All right, right on up there. Missy works at the Palmetto Women's Center. I do. And uh, Sean, yeah, come in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's got a couple of people that like the Palmetto Women's Center. Oh, we have more than two people. Okay. And the, actually, the, the money that we're raising for the Save a Baby is to go towards, uh, go, we're going to be giving it to the Palmetto Women's Center. I make a presentation to them at the end of June. So everything that we're doing here for these next several weeks is to raise money for them. And so Missy works there. And so Missy, there's actually a picture that we want to put up there too while we're talking. And you can maybe refer to that if you like. But Missy, tell the congregation what you do and, uh, and uh, you, what's, what, what the Lord's laid on your heart regarding um, saving babies uh, in our community. Well, I really just wanted, I, as I was praying about what to say, all I could think is that sometimes it's overwhelming to figure out what to do, where to start. And you look around and everybody looks like they're doing really big, amazing things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to find your place to figure out what, what's my role in the pro-life world. Um, so my journey has been wonky. I, it landed me exactly where God wanted me to be. But um, what I've got up behind me is just a picture of some of my children and some of the children that my husband and I have fostered over the years. So we've been involved in foster care. Um, I started out as an engineer, and God moved me to become a nurse, which is really weird. Um, nobody does that, by the way, but I did. Um, so I you're the first. I, well, oh my I'm goodness, not the first, this is okay. Definitely not normal. Um, but I ended up in the NICU for seven years, and I think that was where I really first saw how important our pro-life mission is, because I actually. Um, had the privilege to care for a baby who was the product of a botched abortion. And we can all imagine what that might be, but to actually see it is a totally different beast. Um, it's horrible, and abortion is not health care. Um, yeah. So, you know, being where God wants you to be, I think God also gives us a lot of grace to know when to close the door and move on to the next thing. And I left the NICU after seven years, and I had done other roles in the hospital as well, and I didn't know what the heck I was gonna do or where I was gonna go. And ultimately, my call was to the Palmetto Women's Center. So I have been with them for about five years. Took a little break in the middle there during COVID, um, but I've been working with them for five years. I'm an RN, and I am trained to do limited obstetric ultrasound. We have the coolest nurses over there. Um, I, I work on the mobile clinic, so I'm on the big bus that goes out once a week, and we go out into remote areas, and our goal is to save babies, especially in women who don't feel like any kind of health care is available to them. Yeah, so Billy uh, actually mentioned something to me at a, at about a banquet that was took place a couple few weeks ago, yeah. and there were some balloons there. Can you describe what that was? Yes, and oh my gosh, I, the numbers lost me. There were balloons everywhere, and each balloon represented a life that was saved through Palmetto. 309 balloons, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Pink and blue balloons. Yep, they were, yeah. it was a beautiful banquet. The speaker was incredible. Um, it was, the, the women who put it together, I was not one of those women. I just got to go at the end and help set up. It was, it was incredible to be a part of it. Yeah. So um, another service that we provide that people don't know about that I, I hope you'll go home and research it. We actually are a provider in the area that 
through our medical director, we can provide abortion pill reversal to women. It's, That's wonderful. It's amazing. And um, I, we are networked through Heartbeat, so women who have taken the first of their two abortion pills and changed their mind, they'll often go to the internet, what can I do? What do I do? And Heartbeat is all over that. So we are the center in this region that gets called if a woman makes that call. And our mobile clinic actually had the privilege to drive because we have amazing volunteers. I need to just say that. So if you're thinking about volunteering, we have a man who was sitting at home eating dinner. We're in Rock Hill. We get this call. The lady couldn't come. She just could not do it. It was overwhelming to her. We called Mike and we said, Mike, are you willing to drive to Spartanburg? And he said, yes. He yes. said, I'm just going to finish my dinner. I'll be right there. Yeah. So we drove to Spartanburg to minister to this woman. And I, I have this really strong feeling, and I think Kelly, who was with me, also would agree that this woman maybe just needed to feel Jesus that day. I don't yeah. think she had ever felt his love, just honest, no strings attached love. So that's what we do. And that's not what you see when you see the signs or the ads for Palmetto. But we're just there to love the women. Sure. sure. And I love how you, the idea is that you're starting somewhere, you're doing what you can, and the money that we give is actually helping to support everything you just described. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. everything that we do is connected to a what? A soul. So that's a soul. Is a baby a soul? Yes. You bet yes. it is. And so we're there to uh, support you. And so what we're doing is helping to pay your salary. We're helping to provide the gas money to go to Spartanburg. We're helping to Absolutely. provide the, 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 the different pills, reversals, yes. for the abortion reversal, and all the different things. Everything we're doing is providing the means for you to do what you're doing. We could not do it without you. Amen. 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 Well, we're here to support Palmetto Women's Center and to support life and to support God's most beautiful and best creation of mankind. He loves them souls. He loves them babies. And so do we. And we thank you. Let's give thank her a hand you. for all that she does. Thank you. And appreciate you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah, amen. Izzy, thank you for coming today. She says, I don't know what to say, and I'm so nervous. But she did a good job. She didn't look like she was nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And those were pictures of your kids and some of the other babies that you're taking care of as well as your, as, as your husband there too. Yeah, so your husband is an engineer. She told me a story before service. She said, I, I wanted a big family. My husband's an engineer. He says, how about let's just start with one? She says, okay. And so she got pregnant and they had twins. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so from that moment on, <laughs> every time her husband, she asked her husband, she says, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> That's a great story. Don't ever tell God one because he's like, no, two. <laughs> he's always gonna he's gonna be God is what he's gonna be right <laughs> what a great story um, I appreciate what you said there Missy um, because the, the idea this morning that this is the second part of our series the generous life by the way and last week we looked at um, uh, being aware of what's going on just kind of being aware of the circumstances around you today we're going to be looking at how we can actually take action and start somewhere and I love how you just how, you, how the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said that because you really just bounced up to where our message is going to be today. So I just love how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, you know, the worst thing that we can do in our life right now, the worst thing we can do in the day and the time that we're living in is to step back, pull back, hunker down and retreat and hide through the inflation, through the potential recession, through everything getting more expensive, through, through all the stuff that's going on in the world, with all the stuff, I mean, you name it, not just financial, but in every way, 
we tend to, as humanity, pull back, hunker down, and get into protective mode and say, okay, I'm just going to ride out this storm and just kind of wait for it to pass by, kind of like a hurricane, you know? But in the midst of a hurricane, the best thing for us to do, the most important thing for us to do, in fact, what, he's, what God has called us to do is to step out and be the rescuer in that hurricane, right? To, to, be the, to be the squad that goes out, the first responders to go out and say, what can we do where we are to make a difference with what I have? The first idea is to be aware of it. We talked about that last week. And remember, we talked about being generous with our thoughts. Generosity is not just giving money. When you think about generosity, we've got to be careful not to just click into, okay, he wants my money. No, that's not it at all. It can be generous with our thoughts. In other words, to think kindly about people and not be so ugly. Uh, not be so judgmental, you know? Uh, to think, uh, to be kind with our, to be generous with our words. Man, uh, it's so important to speak into someone's life. Uh, maybe even, like you said, about the girl in Spartanburg, maybe she just needed to hear that Jesus loves her, that just Jesus, just hear about Jesus, you know? Uh, just be kind with our words. How many know there's a lot of ugly words going out there? Not just face-to-face, -face, but social media and everything in between. Be kind, be generous with our words. Certainly be generous with our money. Be generous with our influence. I mean, don't just find out what, you can, what someone can do for you and live your life that way and just have this transactional sort of relationship where just using people to get ahead but actually be generous with what I can do to lift you up what I can do to to promote you and to get you in that place that God has you to be we can be generous with our time uh, we all have 24 hours in a day so we're all equal playing field on that one generous with our uh, our time we can be generous with our attention to where we're giving undivided attention I'm not you know scrolling through my social media while you're talking to me you know I'm giving you undivided attention. That's rare today, too. I can be generous with my belongings. As I said last week, uh, if you donate something to the church, give us your best, not your junk, because this is not a Goodwill. We're not a junk store. I promise you, if you give us junk, we throw it away. So just go ahead and throw it away and save us the step, all right? But and, uh, with other people as well, don't just give them your junk. Give them the best stuff. Be, be good in, in your giving. Be generous in your, in your giving, right? Of your belongings. By the way, they're not yours. None of that is yours. None of that is mine. We're all stewards of what God has given us. We're stewards of God's, of the thoughts, our words, our money, our influence, our time, our attention, we're belo our belongings. We're stewards of it. It all belongs to God. Right. And so what we do, we give it to, to others and we're stewarding it well. Uh, yesterday, I'll just give you an example. This is not to toot my own horn, but just to give you an example of how I'm trying to live this out. And I'm trying to help, have the Holy Spirit make me aware. Because last week we talked about being aware, right? So just yesterday... Uh, I was able to pay for a meal for somebody yesterday. And then later on in the day, I, I was at a, a, another place. It feels like all I did was eat yesterday, but at another place I was eating. And, and this, this girl was just cleaning the floor so good. It was at a fast food restaurant. Um, and, and she was just, man, she was sweeping it good. She was mopping it good, moving back the chairs. And you, you don't usually see that sort of thing at a fast food restaurant. You're usually kind of walking over stuff to get to where you need to go. And tables are all dirty and all that. But this particular Burger King was just so clean. And uh, yeah, I had a Whopper yesterday, don't judge me, it was so good. But this lady was working so hard. And she's just a young lady, I'm sure she was just making minimum wage. And uh, just doing it so well. And I just walked to her and I said, I just want you to know, I appreciate you cleaning this floor and, and being so detailed at what you're doing. I said, I'm not sure if anybody else notices, but I do. And I want to thank you for making this restaurant so clean and, and so enjoyable to, uh, to, to eat in. And she just, you know, it's like, really? She said, thank you so much. And so generous with my words, you know. I, that just took a few moments. And then, um, then uh, 
later on yesterday, uh, I was speaking with a friend of mine and he and his wife and uh, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer a few months ago and the prognosis is not good. It usually isn't for pancreatic cancer. We're certainly praying for them and, and uh, trying to be a friend of them, but uh, his world just turned upside down and he was just pouring his heart out to me. And, um, you know, I was kind of thinking like, I, I, I need to head off here, but then the Lord just stopped me and said, you need to be generous with your time right now. And so I was able to speak into his life and to encourage him and speak God's word over him and point him in the right direction. And, and I spent about 45 minutes with him and just was there. I was present with him and I, I spoke into his life. And so again, this is not to say, wow, pastor, that's really great. You're a great guy. That has nothing to do with me. It was the Holy Spirit making me aware of those things and giving you guys an example of how you can be as well. And I know you all have stories as well. I'm sure you do. I hope you do that this last week, since last Sunday, that you've prayed as we prayed last Sunday, Lord, make me aware. Make me aware of these things. Help me to be very aware. Let me see what's going on and then step in and take some action, whatever that looks like, with my time, my thoughts, with my words, with my possessions, with my money, or whatever it is. And as Missy said, we just start somewhere. I mean, I, 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 can't, I, I can't run a Palmetto Women's Center like Michelle does. She does a great job with it. But Michelle couldn't do that on her own either. They all work together at all the volunteers. You know, she can't drive to Spartanburg every time there's a need. Someone's going to step in and say, I'll do it. I'll take. And all of us together do our part in the church, at, the, at volunteering different ministries, outreaches, different things in our day-to-day, -day, at our workplace, in our neighborhood, at our schools, in the shopping places, in our restaurants. Every day, all the time, there's opportunities if we're just aware of them. So that's the first step on our pathway to a generous life. I want this church... I want this congregation to live a life of generosity in every possible way and continually grow in it. And I hope that's your prayer as well. That's my prayer for you today, especially in light of all that's going on in the world today. So the next thing that we're going to do is in this uh, taking these steps of being, first off, we're going to be aware. The second thing we're going to look at today is taking action. So write that down, taking action. So the desire to be generous is important. I hope that you would agree with me on that. The desire to be generous is important. But the desire alone doesn't make us generous. If we want to, be, if we want to live a generous life, we not only have to be aware of what's going on and also have a desire to be generous, but we also have to get active, to move out and do something, to make an effort. Uh, if you've ever been on a diet, you'll know what I'm talking about. You realize, you look in the mirror and you think, oh my goodness, this is not what it used to be, right? And so you realize that I need to do something about this. And so you want to become physically healthy. So, so you, 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 you take some, you realize you have a desire to want to see things change. Well, what do you got to do to make it happen? Well, well you got to count some calories, don't you? You got to take some time to go to the gym, don't you? You got to make sure and get that exercise on your calendar, prioritize eating right, exercising, and living a healthy life. And then the pounds will fall off. They will. And you'll start looking in the mirror and realizing, hey, this is making a difference. The same thing goes with our generosity. If we want to become generous people, then we have to do generous things. And we have to do them on purpose. I'll say that again. If we want to be generous people, then we have to do generous things, don't we? 
Just like if we're going to be selfish people, we got to do selfish things, right? It's the same thing. If we want to be generous people, what do you got to do? You got to do generous things. And you got to do them on purpose. So here's my question for you. What are you doing to be generous on purpose? What did you do this last week? To be generous on purpose. Or what do you intend to do this week that blesses another person on purpose? You have to be intentional with this thing. Because once we move from a desire to be generous to actually being generous, something amazing happens. What happens is we see opportunities everywhere. How many of you ever bought a new car, either new or new to you? And all of a sudden, it seems like a bunch of people have that car. Right? Have you ever noticed that? You really don't notice it before that, but all of a sudden, hey, everybody driving, everybody must have got and bought that same car last week that I did. That's not true. Those cars were always there. It's just that you're becoming aware of it because now you own one of those cars. You go, hey, cool. You know? What that's called in psychology is the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. You don't have to write that down, but there's actually a word for it. Yeah. It's called frequency illusion. Yeah. Everyone didn't go out and buy the same car. It's just your brain is now adjusting to notice things that are important to you. That's what it is. All those cars were on the road before, long before you bought that car that you just bought, but you just didn't notice them until you took the step of purchasing the car that you, that you now drive. The same thing is true with generosity. Once we start living generously, our brain will start searching for more opportunities to be generous. True. I, I love this. So, so see, when we pray, the Holy Spirit helps us. But also when we activate our generosity, our brain is also starting to help us. So the Lord gives us that ability in the way that we're wired. It really seems really simple because, again, generous people do generous things. Write that down. Generous people do generous things. That's an important phrase. Generous people do generous things. If you don't have anything that you're writing down, notes, I'll wait for a few seconds. Pull out a piece of paper and a pen because you're going to remember a whole lot more than you write down than if you just listen. Generous people do generous things. So if that's the case, why is it then that so many of us desire to be generous, but so few of us are actually living out the generosity in the world? I want us to look at Matthew chapter 14, because there's a story that might help us to answer this question. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 15. Well, they put that scripture right up, don't they? Okay, here we go. We're going to get started. As evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So... Send the crowds away. They were telling this to Jesus, the disciples were. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have, they said in response, only five loaves of bread and two fish. <laughs> yeah, so you know the story, right? The story of the loaves and the fishes and what he's done to multiply it. But let's just kind of get a backstory here. Let's, let's set the scene. Get the context. So here it is. Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people. From some counts, if the Bible talks about there's 5,000 men, it says... But there was also women and children, and back in those days, they didn't count the women and the children. They just counted the men. So, realistically, potentially, there could have been closer to 20,000 people there. 20,000 people were there to listen to Jesus. So, as it starts to get late in the day, imagine yourself being there. The disciples came to Jesus with this problem. They noticed that it was starting to get dark, and the people hadn't eaten dinner. And no one apparently had planned ahead except for a little boy. The disciples are concerned that if the people aren't sent home to get dinner, they'll be forced to travel at night. Now, back then, and really even today, but especially back then, traveling at night in the ancient world was very dangerous. 
And so as they started seeing the sun getting lower in the, in the sky, they suggested that Jesus send them off to the villages where they can have food and also be safe. The disciples came to him. And by the way, the disciples weren't complaining. They weren't being petty. Uh, really, it was just the opposite. They identified a legitimate need uh, that was impacting this large group of people. So put yourself again in their shoes and listen to this story because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to 2022 here in just a second. But think about it. They identified a need, a legitimate need, and they brought it to Jesus. Lord, there's this big crowd of people that need food. Now, now we would expect Jesus to, at this point to say something like, you know what, you're right. It's a big crowd of food, a big crowd of people. We don't have enough food and uh, the sun's getting low, so let's send them on out. But Jesus didn't do that. Maybe the disciples maybe were thinking that Jesus would do some sort of miracle or, or make sure everyone had the food they needed to go home safely. But, but the disciples did exactly what all of us who believe in Jesus would have been taught to do. When we identify a need, when we're aware of it, we bring it to Jesus. Now, Jesus, what, what can I do here? What can I do? Because there's a need. There's a great need. This is what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to take our knees to Jesus and say, Lord, I see the situation, but I need you to do something about it. Don't we do that? Jesus, here's the need. I need you to do something about it. Think about it. Subtle little shift here. Jesus, here's the need, and I need you to do something about it. Jesus didn't do that. His response was very confusing to the disciples because they saw this problem. They identified a need. They brought it to Jesus, they, they, and that's what we do. We pray about it. And we say, all right, Jesus, you're going to take care of it. But listen, his, Jesus' response was something that was completely opposite of what they expected. They said, you give them something to eat. But Jesus, you're the miracle worker. You're the one that, I mean, you, you just, you healed the sick, you raised the dead, you, you know, cleansed the lepers and all the demons were cast out. I mean, I remember, you, you stopped the, the ocean waves from when we're in the boat. Remember that time? And you, I mean, everything was cool. Why can't you just, I mean, here's, what's, you give them something to eat. So when the disciples come to Jesus with a problem, Jesus responds by telling them to solve it. <laughs> Think about that. I thought Jesus was like, you know, going to take care of all this for me. He's the problem solver. He's the big provider. He's the guy. He's the grand poobah. I just give it to him and he just waves his magic fingers and everything's taken care of. But he was trying to teach the disciples something and he's in this story also trying to teach something to us because he doesn't just perform a miracle. Jesus doesn't just do that. He doesn't just make it easy on them. He doesn't just give them a solution, but instead he puts the responsibility back on the disciples. And the disciples' response is exactly how we would probably respond in the same way. But Jesus, all we have is this little bit of loaves and a little bit of fishes. All we have is just a little tiny amount. Look at all the people. This is all I have. I, you don't make any sense to me, Jesus. How? How? When Jesus puts the responsibility back on the disciples, their first response is to make sure that he understands their limitations. But Jesus, I'm limited here. Now they're talking about loaves and fishes in this story, but let's fast forward to 2022 because don't we do the same thing? What they're really saying is we don't have enough. Exactly. We don't. Have you ever felt this way? Maybe you see a problem in the world. Maybe you see a need in your neighborhood. Maybe you identify an opportunity to be generous. And, and what's the first thought that comes to your mind? I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. 
I don't have enough influence. I just, I don't have enough. We identify opportunities to be generous. We're aware of it. And then we allow our limitations to keep us from moving into action. What I have is insufficient. And this really is the answer to the question that I asked earlier. Why does our desire to be generous not translate into actual generosity? And here's the answer to that question. Because I think the real reason is that we allow our limitations to stop us. You put that back up for just a second, if you would, Tom. We allow our limitations to stop us, don't we? We allow our limita our limitations, what we have, to stop us. See, Jesus doesn't just let his disciples off the hook here. He doesn't just say to them, you're right, I guess, there's too many people, it's not enough food. But instead he says, tell you what, bring those loaves and fishes to me. Now we're getting somewhere. But, the, but Jesus didn't just wave a magic wand out of nothing. He said... Bring me what you have. See. And then let me do something with it. So let's not miss this. This is the crux of the message here this morning. Jesus tells the disciples to bring what they have and give it to him. They have what? Five loaves and two fishes? And really, that's all they have to feed a crowd of almost 20,000 people. Now, the disciples aren't wrong in their assessment of the situation. They do not have enough food for 20,000 people. That's the reality of it. But the mistake the disciples made is looking at their limitations instead of looking to the Lord. They were so focused on what they don't have that they failed to see what they did have. And what do they have? And Jesus sitting right there with them the whole time. Let's look at what happened when the disciples looked past their limitations and and bring what they have to Jesus. We continue reading in the scriptures. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves, the two fish. He looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and broke the loaf. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate. Say the word all. All. And they were satisfied. In other words, they ate. And they weren't still hungry anymore. They were full. They all ate to the fill. And the disciples, on top of that, picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. How does that happen? Only Jesus, because we're not looking at our limitations anymore. We're looking at Jesus who can take what we have and make something more than enough out of it. The number of those that ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We estimate roughly about 20,000 people. So isn't this an amazing story when you think about it that way? Something miraculous happens. Jesus does what the disciples could never do on their own. But he doesn't do it until the disciples take a step of action. He doesn't do it until the disciples take a step of action. They move beyond what they saw with their limitations where I don't have enough, I can't, I won't, I don't know about this, and say this is what I do have. Now Jesus, would you multiply it? So I ask you these questions this morning. Is it possible that Jesus has an amazing thing that he wants to do in the world? You think that Jesus wants to do an amazing thing in the world today? In the world? Of course he does. Is it possible that Jesus wants to take your effort in that amazing thing and multiply it in ways that are far beyond your limitations and what you could ever imagine. Is that possible? Yeah. Of course. Here's the third one. Is it possible that Jesus wants to do all of these things, but he's waiting on you and me to take the first step? Yeah. Yes. He wants to do something amazing. He wants to do it through your life, but he's waiting on you to take the first step. Waiting on me to take the first step. I love this quote from St. Augustine. It says, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. 
It's a choice he makes. It's the system that he's established. It's what he's put in place for us to move forward. What do you have? Put it in my hands and it'll be enough. God is waiting on his people to move from a desire to be generous to being actually generous. And much, and as much as he did with the loaves and the fishes, when we take that first step towards generosity, he's going to multiply our efforts. If I was going to put, it, put this in sort of mathematical equation, it might look something like this. Go ahead and put that up on the screen there. What we have plus who Jesus is equals enough. Write that down. What we have, or what I have, if you want to write that down, plus who Jesus is equals enough. Say that with me. What we have plus who Jesus is is enough. Yeah. It's really that simple. If we have the faith to look past our limitations and bring what we have to Jesus, He'll use our generosity in every possible way to change the lives of people around us. And if it doesn't... And, and it doesn't just change the lives of other people, by the way. Because this type of faithful generosity changes our lives as well. It not only brings us closer to the heart of God, it even helps us physically. Did you know that researchers have discovered that generosity lowers your blood pressure? If you have high blood pressure, it's time to be more generous. It lowers your risk of dementia. If you're going out of your mind, be generous. Less, it lessens anxiety and depression. If you're sad and depressed, be generous. Give out of your depression. It reduces your cardiovascular risk. If, you're, if, you're, if you feel like you're ready to have a heart attack, be generous. I mean, you can't use it if you die anyway. Be generous. And really, it increases your overall happiness. And you know what? That checks off a ton of boxes for me. I don't know about you. But if you're generous, all these things will happen to you even physically and in your mind and your emotions. It releases a lot of stuff that's good for your body. These physical changes don't only take place in the person being generous, but they also affect the recipient of the generosity. That young lady that was mopping the floors yesterday, she just, her countenance changed. That other gentleman I was talking to later on in the day, as I was speaking to his life, you could just see the heaviness lift from his, from his countenance as I was just pouring into his life and ministering to him. The bottom line is this, that activating our generosity makes everything better. How many would like things to get better in your life? Then be generous in your life. It will help you. I want to share an amazing story that talks about this. It's a video that we have and I think it will touch your life. It demonstrates the power of taking what we have and giving it to God. I had an accident and my hip was broken in so many pieces. I have two rods in my hip. She's an angel among us. If you watch her in the bread company, everyone comes in to see Catherine. You know, we sell the bread, but I feel like there are some people who specifically come with prayer requests and uh, I go pray for them. One day when we were sharing, she said she was in need of a different car, that her car was needing expensive repairs. 
I had been saving money, but uh, I knew it wasn't enough, so I knew I would take a few years to save for it. So a couple months later, I went in and I said, Catherine, how's your car fund coming? And she said, I gave it all away. And I looked at her and, and she said, there was a widow in need, and I gave her the $5,000. I struggled a lot when I gave that money. And uh, I said, I feel okay, but uh, do you think I did the right thing? I mean, I cannot give what I don't have, so I just give what I had. I was shocked, and so I come home and I tell Pete that we needed to help Catherine with her car fund. He looked at me and he said, no, I think we need to buy Catherine a car. And I said, okay, great. Pete called Scott and said, do you know Catherine Great Harvest? And he said, yes, he did. Pete said, well, we'd like to buy her a car. He asked Pete, do you want to use your new car? And it just hit him right in the face. Why would he ask me that? Of course I would want a used car. That's good enough. He just paused for a moment, and he said, I want a new car. And he said it was silent on the phone for a few seconds. And Scott said, whoa, I want to help. And so he pitched in some. So she came to the bakery, and uh, she asked me, if you were to buy a car, what kind of a car would you like? I said, Debbie. I'm not really planning to buy a car, but she said, oh, just tell me. And she said, I'd like a SUV cruise control, and she said, I'd like a light color. And we called Scott, and he said, I think I've got the perfect car. So Pete said, can we deliver it tomorrow? So we have the bread company owner and his family, Scott and his family and our family, and Catherine sees us all coming in, and she's just all excited to see everyone. And uh, I went to give them hugs, and I said, what's Pete doing here? I did have the, the biggest idea. When I went out, <laughs> and so we walked her over to the car. We said, Catherine, this is your new car. So, oh, I said, for me, this is for me. I said, oh, I, I knew God had many cars, but I didn't know he had a new one for me. So, God had new cars <laughs> for me. We all stood there in tears as we saw the joy on Catherine's face and we got to be a part of it. And the joy of that was unbelievable. It felt so right. It was such an excitement to drive it. We told Catherine that we would like this to be confidential. 
But I kept running into people who would say, I heard what you did for Catherine. It wasn't even us, it was Catherine. It all started with Catherine giving of what she had to a widow to help her, and it just continues on. Generosity begets generosity. We don't give in order to receive. We give because it's the nature of Jesus Christ. He gave us his life. So we, we have the, the DNA of Jesus Christ of giving. <laughs> yeah, so. This is one story I would never forget in my life. Praising the Lord, do what she did. Just use one hand at a time to praise the mission. <laughs> My second favorite part about that story were the yummy cinnamon rolls. My first favorite part of the story was I like how she said, I knew God had many cars, but I didn't know he had a new one for me. Yeah. Generosity begets generosity. I want you to think about this story for just a minute. A woman listens to God. She decides to be generous by donating her $5,000 car fund to a widow that was in need. And at the same time, another couple listens to God and decides to buy this woman a car. Not just a used car, but a brand new car. And then another man who worked at the car dealership said, I want to help out. And I promise you that all those people that were gathered around when she was given the keys, all of their blood pressure was lowered. It was health that was coursing through their veins. I want to ask you a question here today as we wrap this up. Who but God could bring all of those people together in this way? Who but God could multiply the efforts of individuals in such a way that everyone involved was transformed by the power of generosity. You know, God has so much that he wants to give us and do through us. He has so much that he wants to, for us to experience in our lives that he's simply waiting on us to take a step of faithful generosity. So, what he wants to do through our lives is going to blow us away if we'll simply just take that step. So here's the million-dollar question that we ask ourselves this morning. <clears throat> how do we do it? How do, I, how, how do we do it? How do we move from a desire for generosity, being aware of it, to actually being active in, in that generosity? And again, it's not just giving big cars. I mean, we look at this and we think, I can't afford to buy a new car. What do you have? Give it to the Lord. It's start with what you have. Don't look at your limitations. Give what you have to the Lord and watch Him multiply it. Time, thoughts, words, possessions, attention, money, whatever. How do we move from a desire for generosity to active generosity? And the answer to that is that we start small. Start small. Just give what you have. Start small. Start with what you have. Give. Start where you are. That's it. All we have to do is start with something small and simple. You'll work up to the car eventually, or to the whatever it would be, but 
Take what you have and give it to the Lord and let him multiply it. Start with what you have. Start with what the five loaves and the two fishes. What's in your hand? Many times we delay generosity because we're waiting for that bigger or better opportunity to come along. I don't want to do anything until I can give someone a new car. No, that's not the right approach. But I believe that God is providing opportunities for generosity. They're right there where you are. You've probably passed by multiple, multiple ones this week and didn't even know it. Because last Sunday we talked about being aware, but you didn't allow yourself to be aware. You didn't ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware. This week, we got a fresh new week in front of us. What are we going to do? To be aware. Ask the Holy Spirit to make us aware of the opportunities to be generous all around us. And then take action. We can start with the people right around us that we see every day. Here's the best part. If you're faithful with the small things, the Bible says he's going to keep providing you with greater opportunities. We actually talked about that a little bit, Missy, didn't we, uh, before service. Uh, you just you start where you are, and he says, okay, uh, uh, there you go. There you go. They're starting to get this. They're being faithful in the little, and I'm going to give them much. The Bible, that's a, that's a, that's a kingdom principle. You're faithful in the little, he'll give you more to be faithful in. You're not faithful in a little, and he'll even take what you have and give it to someone else because he is the best steward of his resources in all of the universe. And he's not going to waste his whatever it is on you if you're going to hoard it and be selfish and keep it to yourself. The Bible is very clear that if you're not generous, he'll take even from you what you have. But if you're generous, he'll give you more to be generous. He'll give you more to be faithful. In Proverbs eleven twenty four says it this way, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Just leave it at that. You want to be stingy and let your world get smaller? You want to be generous and let your world get larger? The Bible tells us that when we become generous, the world gets bigger and the opportunities become more frequent. So let's start right where we are. Don't allow your limitations to keep you from giving what you have to God and then trust Jesus to multiply your faithful efforts. Move from just a desire, move from just being aware to actually being generous, actually living it out, being active. If you do, I promise you this, I promise you this, because God's word says so, that the results will be far more than you can possibly imagine. God is waiting on you. So all you have to do is to do something. So, I want us to stand this morning, and I appreciate if you could come up. And I just want everyone to close your eyes, bow your heads, because the prayer that we prayed last week, I'm going to add a little bit to it. And I had everyone come up last Sunday. I'm not going to ask everyone to do that this Sunday, but everyone would stand with me. And I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Because I'm going to give these, this prayer to you again in bite-sized pieces, but I want it to connect with your heart. And if last Sunday you prayed it, but you didn't mean it, it just went one ear and out the other, and you just kind of blew through this last week, and you really didn't take the opportunities, then it's time to do a control-alt-delete. We're going to reboot this thing and start all over again. we got another opportunity. I love the God of second chances, and third and fourth and fifth. He's always there giving us opportunities. If you've been doing this, great. Let's keep it up, and we're going to add to our prayer today. From last week, we're going to add a little bit more this week to it. So bow your heads. Close your eyes. And Lord Jesus, we connect with you right now in prayer. We thank you, Lord God, that we can just come to the throne of grace right there, Daddy God, sit in your lap and say, Hey, Jesus, oh, I love you so much and I need you to help me now. And God, I want you to hear my prayers. And I, I, this is my heart 
my heart's cry to you, Lord God. And I know Jesus is here to help me. His spirit is here to help me. So this is a prayer that I pray, but I want you to hear it, God. And I mean this with all my heart. So would you pray this prayer with me? I want you to just say these words with me right now. Say it out loud. Say, I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I ask that this week an opportunity to be generous will come my way and that I'll recognize it when it does and that I'll yield to the Holy Spirit's prompting and that I'll have the courage to jump in to take action to start small with what I have and trust Jesus to multiply it and be the hands and the feet of Jesus in whatever way he chooses. Jesus, you heard our prayer. Now, Lord, you know this. You hear us. You, you, you hear what we just prayed to you. Now, Holy Spirit, we need you to give us what we need to move forward with this. We need you to help us today, Lord Jesus, to be aware and to take action. Lord, identify those things that are in our hands that, that you've given to us to steward. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our thoughts, our words, our possessions, our everything. It's everything about us. Father, help us to take the time that we need and the effort that we need to be generous. Everything that you've given us to be good stewards of all that. To start what we have. To start small. To start with what's in our hands. What you provided for us. Not what's, what someone else has. has, But what, what, what you've given us. What we're here to steward. Show us what that looks like. Show us what that looks like. Help us, Lord God, to have some great stories to tell in the big and the small ways. Lord, let our world get bigger. <laughs> let, let us be a generous people and let our world get bigger. Lord, let, don't let us be stingy, selfish, self-centered. What's in it for me? What I can get out of it? That's a very small world that way you weren't that way you're not that way Jesus you're the most generous person that we know since you're living in us we ask that your generosity would flow through us show us how to be generous like you're generous and when we take what's in our hands and we give it to you whatever that looks like this week oh God give us some great stories let us be aware of it and actually take a step of action do something about it this world is in desperate need, struggling right now in so many ways. It's time for us, church, to step up to the plate and to be Christ, to be His hands and feet in so many different ways, to be generous in pouring out the life of Christ and whatever that looks like to those around us. Help us to do that, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Everybody's sitting there.